0: You're listening to Past and Present, the Colonial Williamsburg Podcast. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm Harmony Hunter. My guest, Julie Silverbrook, has devoted her career to the Constitution. She's executive director of the Constitutional Sources Project, an organization that unpacks the document's meaning and history and places it alongside the records, letters, and laws that influenced it. Not satisfied to stop at illuminating the Constitution for adults, Julie's group has launched a new effort to help young people understand our nation's founding document. Julie joins us today to talk about a new project, the Constitution for Kids. Julie, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Well, tell me about, before we talk about Constitution for
1: Kids, tell me a little bit about the Constitutional Sources Project. Sure. It was started um, in 2005 um, by a group of civic minded attorneys um, who wanted to make the U.S. Constitution's history freely available um, to citizens both in this country and abroad. Um, And so uh, it started with the uh, idea of creating a freely accessible digital library of uh, primary source materials related to the creation, ratification and amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Um, What started as a digital library and has continued um, as a digital library, um, in many ways at Consource.org, has also developed into uh, programming, um, seeking to educate people about the Constitution and its history. And we do programming for adults, uh, for lawyers, judges, law students, uh, college students, and we are... Uh, now making very serious uh, inroads in the primary and secondary school market. And that's where the Constitution for Kids in particular comes in, uh, in terms of making these materials accessible for uh, primary school students in particular. So it's not just the Constitution and the amendments,
0: it's all the other documents surrounding it. Tell me about how those influencing documents are so important to uh, illuminating uh, what the Constitution is talking about.
1: I think the documents that are sort of most frequently visited on our website would include James Madison's notes on the Constitutional Convention, and that sort of shows how the Constitution came into being, you know, during the the debates in Philadelphia in 1787. Uh, We have materials from the ratification debates, which shows uh, how uh, people at the time understood the document and the ratification is, of course, what gives the constitution legal effect. Um, before that, coming out of convention, it was really just a proposal and the people had to ratify it. Um, we're expanding a collection now on early state constitutions, and these are sort of precedents uh, that the framers of the 1787 federal constitution look to um, in cre- creating the constitution we have today. Um, and so we're really looking um, both at Uh, specifically how the document was formed and understood and later amended, but also looking at American constitutionalism more broadly, which requires us to look at state constitutions as well.
0: I've read the Constitution. It's short. I think it's fairly readable. What am I missing? if I don't see all of these other documents that talk about what was happening during the time period, what was on the minds of the people who wrote it, um, and, and what changes might be different in today's society versus the society that it was written for. If you, just, if you think you've read and understood the Constitution, what might you be missing?
1: So I think uh, reading the Constitution uh, through a contemporary lens, uh, you read the document um, using vocabulary that's common today, um, using you know context uh, that we are experiencing now versus the vocabulary and the context that they were using um, back in 1787 and 1791, et etc. And so, um, comparing what the people who framed the document, how they understood the document, what they understood it to mean, versus what we understand it to mean. Can you think um, of an today, example of that? You know, I think that there's um, some controversy today over how the Second Amendment was interpreted. I, I think, similarly, there were divisions back in the in the founding period about whether or not it's a sort of militia group right or an individual right. I think today, um, you know, whether or not you agree with gun control or not, I think we all tend to interpret it as an individual right. Um, we should say,
0: of course, the Second Amendment is the right to keep and bear arms. That's right. So we might be interpreting that through today's lens as an individual right, you were saying, versus when it was written, it might have meant they they might have been having in mind more of a militia right?
1: I think you can read the history to to support that conclusion. I I, I think there is support for both views. Um, Actually, if you look at the founding period, there was some division in terms of of how the right to keep and bear arms was interpreted at the time. Um, Sort of a, a broader reason for looking at the history is this is our shared history as a nation. Um, we don't have, uh, you know, we all have different, uh, you know, faith-based traditions. And so what unifies us is this constitutional tradition. And I think that unifying the nation around this history, this history belongs to us. It's a part of us and understanding that is so important. Um, and it helps us stay connected to the constitution, um, which is, you know, long surviving document which has had really relatively few changes to it I'm only 27 amendments uh, which is pretty extraordinary when you consider that it just had its 226th birthday.
0: So you started a new project, you're rolling out the Constitution for Kids. W- what is that? How, how does that do what you're already doing
1: but spin it for kids? It's really a, a teaching tool for educators. Um, I, we do a lot of work with Wonderful groups that focus on civic education and constitutional literacy, um, and we we all were meeting together and realized that uh, primary school students tend to get less resources than secondary school students. Part of that is the way the curriculum um, is divided. I think the other part of it is the challenge of breaking down really complex subjects for young elementary school students. Um, and so my civic education team. Uh, came up with this idea of creating for elementary school students a constitution for kids where we provide background information generally about each article and section of the constitution. We provide both the original text and then sort of a simple translation using uh, words and terms that an elementary school student would understand. Um, And then we link them to primary source documents uh, that sort of explain more. Um, about how that clause came into being, how it was understood at the time, and how that understanding might have changed over time. Um, And so we think it's a really powerful tool, and an educator can use it for, you know, I have open here on my iPad now, Article One, Section 9. Um, If you wanted to talk about um, what Congress is prohibited from doing, which is in that article and section, you could do a lesson using the constitution for kids and it essentially sets up the lesson plan for you you go over some background you have the students engage directly with the text talk about what it might mean there are terms of art in there that i think uh, certainly students wouldn't know and i think some non-lawyers might not know as well such as you know the the privilege of the writ of habeas corpus That's not something that a fourth grader or fifth grader is going to know but by breaking it down and translating it for them into terms that they do know, then they learn what the writ of habeas corpus means.
0: It seems like a very flexible curriculum because while you've made it simple enough for a fourth or fifth grader, in looking at this um, online, I can see how deep the resources go. You can really keep clicking and cl- keep reading, and this could go, I really could see this being used in a college course if you are really want to study some of
1: the influences and some of the history behind the, the amendments. Sort of how this was conceptualized on the Consource website um, we have a tool called the Constitutional Index which breaks the constitution down by section and clause and each clause is hyperlinked to relevant primary source documents in our website and I think that works really well for adults, sophisticated researchers, um, etc. but it can be overwhelming for Young students in particular. So, the Constitution for Kids is kind of like the Constitutional Index for kids. What the Constitutional Index does on our website, we've adapted that for use by younger students, and we've provided a lot more background um, material um, because typically, you know, students aren't going to get all of that until later in their educational careers.
0: Why was there a need to develop this? What did you see in the curriculum now for elementary school students that you thought was lacking?
1: I I think it's important to learn about the Constitution from a very, very early age. That's how I became so committed to teaching others about the Constitution. Um, I had um, a sixth grade teacher um, who was very committed to having students read and understand the Constitution, and that had such a lasting impact on me, both in terms of my civic knowledge and my civic engagement. We know that knowledge um, can equal engagement, and engagement is so hugely important, Um, and so I think— helping students to, to really understand these concepts will make them more sophisticated voters uh, later in life. So I think it is important to start early. And again, this comes back to these are sort of shared values that we have um, as a nation. And you should start to sort of um, inculcate these values at a young age.
0: And we shouldn't put all the onus on the kids either. There's probably a lot of adults who are a little bit rusty about the text of the Constitution, sure. much
1: less the subtext. Sure, sure, and that's why we do a lot of public programs uh, for adults as well, um, where we talk um, typically about a contemporary constitutional issue, um, we talk about sort of the um, history behind it, um, and then sort of the modern implications um, of, that, of that history. You've devoted your career
0: and your education and your life to the Constitution. Why is it so important to you that Americans really have a grasp of this document uh, and what it really means when we
1: look at it in context? Sure. I th- again, I think it's going to come back to that shared value. It's the, it's the document that binds a very large country um, together with diverse interests. Um, and it is this you know sort of shared value, it's this common ground that we have. Um, and, and the Constitution is actually quite a sophisticated uh, document. And I think it's important, uh, particularly when you see the Constitution used in the political debate to understand, is it being used correctly? Um, you know, what's sort of the the correct way of of interpreting the Constitution. And it's important in terms of keeping the government in check. These are the laws that operate on you. It's important that you understand them, Um, particularly if you feel that the government is encroaching on um, your rights. It's important to know what those limits are and what your rights are. For
0: somebody who spends her days ensconced in the
1: Constitution, mm-hmm. do you have a favorite part? Do you have a favorite clause? Favorite amendment? I always get this question, and I, and I always give the same answer. I, I hate to play uh, favorites. I think I started, like many, um, sort of my way in was through the First Amendment um, to freedom of speech, press, religion, et cetera. Um, and I found that really engaging and compelling. Uh, but I think through my work with Consource, I've become very much so interested in the structural. Uh, provisions in the Constitution, which are also hugely um, influential and, and consequential. But I should say, whatever interests you about the Constitution, whatever pulls you in, um, that's wonderful. There's so much history there, and it's changing. It, it's both past history and living history. Uh, we're living constitutional history right now. We're we're seeing changes to the Voting Rights Act. We're seeing uh, you know changes to to things like affirmative action and marriage rights, and so. You know, these modern contemporary issues have historical analogs, and comparing and contrasting those things is so meaningful. So however you find your way to love the Constitution, um, you know, I think that's great. I don't want to say that I have a favorite part, but I think it changes as you get to explore it. Um, each time I read the Constitution, um, I find something new and interesting about it that draws me in and it attracts scholarly interest of some kind.
0: What are those websites where you can find both the Constitutional Sources Project and the Constitution for Kids?
1: Yep, it's um, www.consource.org. And if you're looking for the Constitution for Kids on our homepage, click the Primary Source link. Um, And in Primary Source, uh, which is a partnership we have with Verizon Thinkfinity, you can find a copy of the Constitution for Kids. You can also email info at consource.org for a copy of it.
0: Sounds like a great resource and just so much to explore there. Julie, thank you so much for being here today, and I hope everybody gets a chance, educators and regular citizens alike, uh, gets a chance to visit that site and learn a little bit more about the
1: Constitution. Thank you for having me.
0: We're always glad to hear from you. Send comments or suggestions from our webpage at podcast.history.org or find us on Facebook. To support the podcast and other Colonial Williamsburg programs, visit history.org slash donate.